Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready. Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go yet again, because it's Christmas time, to New York City. Mm-hmm. 1947, New York City. As a matter of fact, we're going to Fifth Avenue New in New York, York City. City. It happened on Fifth Avenue. Bet you haven't heard of it. Heard of it now. Might be all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Make, make yourself a, I got a nice little hot toddy going for the holiday season. Yeah, I mean, you want to listen to us. Each Christmas, an industrial tycoon and his family travel from New York City to Virginia to spend the holiday season. Well, this says to spend the holiday season. It it said (laughs) Florida. It said they go to Florida to spend the holiday season in the sun, but that's not true. Well, half of them. It's half true. Um, The wife lives in Florida, but... The tycoon actually travels to Bubbling Springs, Virginia. More on that later. But it looks like it was actually in West Virginia. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did research. And uh, to spend the holiday season, while they are gone, a philosophical homeless man takes up residence in the millionaire's Fifth Avenue mansion. What could go wrong? (laughs) Shenanigans and charades. (laughs) the particulars oh it happened on fifth avenue it was released in the united states on april 19th 1947 yes just in time for easter (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah i don't know why i couldn't find why but i didn't really do that much research so um it was produced and directed by Roy Del Ruth, who also did The Desert Song, which was in 1929, and it was the first color film released by Warner Brothers. He also did the pre-code version of The Maltese Falcon, The Babe Ruth Story, and Always Leave Them Laughing. From a little nerd alert, from 1932 to 1941, he was the second highest paid director in Hollywood. Whoa, the screen, I've never heard of it. I know, the screenplay is by Everett Freeman. He also did the 1957 version of My Man Godfrey. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Glass Bottom Boat and Miss Grant Takes Richmond. I remember the Glass Bottom Boat. <laughs> That's weird. Wait, was Doris Day in the Glass Bottom Boat? Go ahead, I'm going down a rabbit hole. Vic Knight, he did episodes... Also wrote episodes of uh, Bronco, Peter Gunn, and the 1947 film Louisiana, and Ben And this Mark- one's just with a Coors Light topping. <laughs> oh, did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> Sorry, we just learned how to make Bloody Marys over here in the Bush household. <laughs> Mapes Bush. <laughs> The nice topping. Fancy toppings only. (laughs) And we saw the picture of the glass bottom boat and 2021 people, 2021. (laughs) 
We are definitely doing the glass bottom vote. Uh, it was also written by Ben Markson, who did What Price Hollywood, Danger, Love at Work, and Here Comes the Navy. And the story is by Frederick Stefani, who was a screenwriter and director known for the 1936 Flash Gordon film series. Oh. Which is not the same as The Flash, which I spent probably 30 years of my life thinking was the same thing. And Herbert Clyde Lewis, who was a novelist. Um, he also wrote Gentlemen Overboard and Silver Dark. Music is by Edward Ward. He had in his career seven Academy Award nominations. One of them was for Phantom of the Opera. He also did Boys Town and the Babe Ruth story. The director of photography is Henry Sharp. He was Douglas Fairbanks's cameraman of choice. He also did While the City Sleeps and the Lemon Drop Kid, edited by Richard B. Hermance, who did the Babe Ruth story, and six episodes of The Mod Squad and 18 episodes of the classic The Twilight Zone, starring Don DeFore as Jim Bullock. Hadn't heard of him, have you? No, but he was most famous for the neighbor, Thorny, on The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. I remember him. He was in... Um, six, 50s, 60s TV. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing him. He was also in the movies A Guy Named Joe and Without Reservations. And Anne Harding, she was Mary O'Connor. She, won, she was nominated for Best Actress Academy Award for the film Holiday. She was also in The Animal Kingdom and When Ladies Meet. She, in her heyday, was... She was like the answer to Norma Talage, like her studio's answer to her. She was blonde and very attractive, and Mm -hmm. she had been in silent films, and then she made the transition to talkies. So she was a big deal. That's why she was in the second billing of this. Um, Victor Moore as Aloysius T. McCarver. He was also in Swing Time. Oh... On Our Merry Way and The Seven Year Itch. Charles Ruggles was Mike O'Connor. We just saw him in Bringing Up Baby. He was also in The Mm -hmm. Parent Trap and People Will Talk. Mm. Yeah, remember in Bringing Up Baby, he was the big game hunter. He made me laugh. Mm. Um, Gail Storm is Trudy O'Connor. She was in G.I. Honeymoon, Stampede, and My Little Margie. My Little Margie. (laughs) That was the TV show. I, yeah, I, I guess so. Um, Grant Mitchell as Pharaoh. He was in Dinner at Eight. And Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, two movies we've done. He was also in Arsenic and Old Lace. And we have Alan Hale Jr. as Whitey Temple, the skipper from Gilligan's Island. He was the friend. He was. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And those are the particulars. I- I know he sounded so familiar, but he has a definitely different look in 1947. He was just younger and thinner, but you could still see the skipper's face there. I was like, that's the skipper, little buddy. Little buddy. Hmm. Okay, it is a black and white film. Uh, We have a still picture of 
Manhattan that uh, stays there through the credits. Then we have we're on Fifth Avenue. There's a double decker sightseeing bus. I didn't know they had double deckers in to this day. Manhattan. There's a man oh. with a dog who uh, we are going to assume before we know anything is homeless, but he just he doesn't look completely homeless. He's, no. no, he's just he's just he just doesn't have a, a home, but he's very cleanly. He's not a he's not a bum. Am I allowed right. to say well, that? Yeah. Yeah. OK. Um, OK. So the um, sightseeing bus is saying, well, there's the Guggenhof mansion. I guess that was like Guggenheim when they changed the name or something. And then here is a, the boarded house mansion. This is the mansion of Michael O'Connor, the second richest man in the world. At this point, I said, who is the second richest man in the world today? Oh. Anybody? Um, is it Bill Gates? It was Bill Gates until the 24th of this month. Is it oh. the Amazon? Bezos? He's number one. Oh. Is it? Number two is Elon Musk. Ah. Uh, he's the second? Yeah, They're he, he not. Did. What happened to all of the the rich Saudis and the United Emirates? Oh, maybe. maybe and the Chinese. <laughs> Maybe we're only doing the the white the white, richest white men. Richest white people. <laughs> I looked up richest people in the world and this is what well, came up. So maybe. I didn't know I was on a, a white supremacist. <laughs> you looked it up on Stormfront. <laughs> <laughs> there is uh so Aloysius, um, the homeless man, is um walking around the sidewalk by the O'Connor Mansion, and there's a policeman, but he just ignores him because, you know, he's homeless. So um, Aloysius finds a section of the fence that he can push open and get in. He uses his umbrella hook on his umbrella to pull the manhole cover up. Come on, that was a heavy manhole cover. Moving on. And he goes in through the sewer system. <laughs> so maybe not so clean after all. Mm -hmm. I just, I wondered about that. I did too. I was like, is this underground at first? I was like, is this mansion underground? He just slipped in here. Well, and then yeah. I How wondered. How did get inside? Yeah, and then I wondered, well, it's the manhole cover within the property. So is that an escape hatch? You know? Oh, like one no, of the, true. It's a mansion. Yeah, it's a mansion. So the escape hatch from the panic room? Because otherwise... That just seems like a security breach. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it, uh, you know, there's a lot that doesn't make sense in this movie. It's okay. Um, he goes in, the dog follows him. He moves the cover back. He's inside the mansion and he, they just make themselves at home. They're turning on the lights. He sets the clock. He finds a circuit breaker and he does something with the circuits. I thought it was so that, this is what I thought in my 2020 brain. Oh, he's taking off the um, security stuff so that he can open and close the front door. But that wasn't what he was doing. We'll find out later. <laughs> That's what I thought, doing. too. I was, like, oh, I was like, wait, it's 1947. I know. They didn't have a... 
whatever the securities are. Okay, the dog's name is Sammy. And he says, Sammy, everything looks the same as usual. So you know this is not his first rodeo. He's taking a bath with bubbles and he has a cigar. And then we switch and we hear that Michael O'Connor, the mansion owner, is tearing down an apartment building. And there's one man who refuses to be evicted. Haven't we seen that before where somebody refuses to be evicted? I, I, yeah, it sounded familiar. Um, it is Mr. Bullock. He is a veteran of the big war. He handcuffs himself to the bed. And he says, little did I know this, su this souvenir of war, the handcuffs, would become an instrument to resisting tyranny. Yes. Yeah, so, and we learned that he was in the Pacific Theater. So um, he found he finally found a room where I mean it's it's probably a boarding house where he could afford to live, while he's looking for a job, because um, affordable housing is still a problem in Manhattan. <clears throat> okay, so the um, the uh, movers come in and just take the whole bed out. Mm, Sammy the dog grabs a hole. Oh, so he is now living on a park bench, Mr. Bullock. And uh, there were hoses in, I guess there were. There weren't underground watering things in Central Park. And um, Sammy the dog pulls on the hose and then the sprinkler is, is getting Mr. Bullock all wet. And um, there's a dude walking down the street in mighty fine apparel. He appears to be Mr. O'Connor. And um, so Bullock is saying, yeah, I live here now because they took my, my room away from me. And um, Mr. O'Connor says, terrible thing, this housing problem. I solved my residential problem years ago. And he invites him to come and live in the mansion with him. <clears throat> and when he brings him into the mansion, he um, Bullock realizes this is Michael Connor's house. And he is the person who had him evicted because he's going to tear down that and build something else. And so he tells him off. This is really sounding confusing because we have somebody pretending to be Mr. O'Connor and then um, the veteran is telling him off because, you know, he has all this money and he's taking affordable housing away. Okay. Uh, but so th at this point, Aloysius divulges his secret that he is Aloysius T. McKeever. Um, and he is a guest of Mr. O'Connor while Mr. O'Connor is in Bubbling Springs, Virginia. More about that later. Um, the, now we meet the real Mr. O'Connor. He is in a conference, a conference room with a lot of people. He's made business, uh, business, business. <clears throat> and he has a, a, a multi-leveled plan. The first link of the plan is, uh, getting a building in New York city. The one that dude was just evicted from the second link. He wants a new cargo airport. 
And um, because he's going to become, he is the second richest man in the world. He wants to become the first, like Mr. Bezos, who has Amazon. So you need a cargo airport. That's what I thought when I looked at it. I was like, oh, this guy is, this guy's doing Amazon. Look at him. And I just saw a thing yesterday where, I think it's uh, Jeff Bezos could pay all of his Amazon employees $105,000 and still be just as rich as he was before the pandemic. Wow. Yeah, he's The pandemic is definitely making him way richer. I mean, I I ordered (laughs) something yesterday, and they're like, it will be delivered by 10 p.m. tonight. And I'm like, I know. I know. You try not to. But, hey. At this time, I'm, I'm... it's it's Bezos or like the free shipping. I know, and I, I don't want to. I'm look. I'm looking at nurses and first responders. I'm like, I don't want to. I gotta think about but them. But support small business online. You can shop there. Yes, I have, I have done I have. that. Like books and stuff, I have. But yeah, it's, we tried to stop Amazon, and it's, some of it is a little bit unavoidable. Yeah, you just need something small. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to go out for it. Yeah. And but you don't want to pay shipping. Yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> there's I, a reason. There is. It's mm-hmm. it's why I've been able to be an expert at the I'm about to enter in another serious quarantine lockdown. And that's yeah. one of the things that makes it so easy. Is I like, oh, you can do mm-hmm. it. But but I agree. Shop small business as much as you can. My friend Sam Testa has a, a site on Etsy, and she does beautiful watercolors and um, calligraphy. And Oh, um, she's she fantastic. Yeah, she mm. is now making wrapping paper. You will be Wow. Wrapping paper. Okay, I digress. Um, the... the um, Government owns a military facility from the war that is sitting empty right outside New York City, and he wants to buy that to become his cargo airport. Okay, Uh, he is interrupted because his daughter's school, her boarding school mistress is calling. Trudy is missing. (laughs) That sounds funny. Her boarding school mistress. (laughs) (laughs) The mistress of her boarding school. Yeah. (laughs) The order of words matters. And and the mistress says, uh, do you suppose she's gone to her mother? And um, the father says, oh, no, 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 not possible. So he wants private eyes in all cities finding Trudy. Well, we're back at the mansion. Everything's going fine. And then the lights go off and on. And at this point, Aloysius says, that's not what time the lights are supposed to go off. So he had gone to the circuit breakers and fixed it so the lights go off like at 9 o'clock because sometimes guards come. No. Okay. What was it? He did. He fixed it so that when the door opens... The lights come on, and when the door shuts, the lights go off. So he knows when somebody enters the house from the front door. Correct. Because his rule for um, dude, Jim? Is it Jim? Mike. 
Oh, Mike Bullock. <clears throat> oh, you never use the front door. Oh, yeah, Bullock. Yeah, sorry. You're right. Okay. Wait, the, the original homeless man? Yes. Make the veteran. Okay. Wait, what? Okay. <laughs> um, wait. Okay. We're all three I'm... talking about something different. <laughs> People listening in are going, I heard all of that perfectly. What is wrong with you? Either way, the doors, the, the lights are coming off and the door. <laughs> Okay, it is a way for Aloysius to know if somebody's in the house. Yeah, it's so a he heads up. That, and that's it, why he knows because the whatever patrolman or whoever comes at 9 o'clock. So that's when he's like, oh, yep, that's what. And he knows to be hiding. And he's he's the perfect. If you want somebody to break into your mansion and just spend the time, you want this guy. Is he? Well, he tells, he tells you later. He, he does a lot of good. I mean, he he dusts. He cleans. He he sets the clock. He wears he, the clothes so that the moths don't eat them. Oh. Okay. Well, Trudy is in the house now. They don't know who Trudy is. Evidently, there are no pictures <laughs> of themselves in this house. That's a good point. Yeah. So they think she's a thief coming in because she's pulling fur coats out. Well, <clears throat> and um. And so they say they're going to call the police, and she finds that rather amusing. She says, yeah, I don't think you are. Um, the young lady has as much right here as we do. Um, that was, I guess, Mike saying it to Aloysius. Um, at that point, Aloysius says, well, we're not really a guest of Mr. O'Connor. I live here without permission. So Mr. O'Connor leaves November 1st every year and Aloysius moves in November 3rd every year and um, he returns March 15th every year and Aloysius leaves on the 13th every year. He's been doing this for three winters and he does a lot of good for the house. <clears throat> I mean, he keeps the pipes running. Well, Trudy overhears this whole thing and she is smiling, so she's not mad. Uh, so she continues to pretend that, yes, she is a thief, but she's applying for a job tomorrow. It's the first time she's ever applied for a job. And, oh, this is the first time she's ever done anything like this. Well, probably applying for a job and breaking into a house. And she pretends to faint. And she comes up with the story that she lives in Dubuque with 13 brothers and sisters. Well, the lights go out, which means the guard patrols are coming. So they all have to hide in the kitchen pantry, right? No, the freezer. They hide in the freezer. Yeah, which I thought you were not allowed to do because how do you get out? <clears throat> well, they must have a way out because they get out. And nothing looked like overly frozen. You didn't see frost on anything. It's probably just um, chill, just cooled. Oh, it might be the larder. Uh, <laughs> okay. So that happens every night at 10 o'clock. Um, I am an interloper here the same as you. Um, and she goes, you go through this every night? Well, at this point, a private eye shows up, but nobody's there. So she says she can't go back to her father because he beats all 14 of the kids every night. So they say, well, you can sleep in the room where we found you. Lucky enough, because that's her own bedroom, where she has no pictures of herself, her mother, or her father. <laughs> but 
like it. I, think. I don't have any pictures of myself, my mother, or my father in my bedroom. I, I was thinking that, but I do have pictures of myself, of course. <laughs> I have a giant <laughs> portrait of myself <laughs> in the living room. But so... it was given to you. You didn't paint it yourself and yeah. put it up yourself. And I forget about it. And then when I think of people who come in, to, I'm like, man, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am this self-possessed. Okay, in the morning, she goes to the music shop and she's singing. And her pretending to play the piano is pathetic. What if- I believe little Timmy from last last week could have done a better job pretending to play the piano. And she gets the job. Her job is 30 bucks a week, which in 2020 is 344 bucks a week. Ooh. Yeah. It's a, it's a music store. Um, well, outside, it is Jim. I have Jim Bullock. Yeah, we were talking all talking about a different person. <laughs> so, yeah. It's so difficult. <laughs> Welcome to Gone with the Bushes. Jim is waiting for her outside the music store. He sees an old friend <laughs> with a son and then another woman with a baby, and they're looking for a place to live. So Jim knew the husbands during the war. So um, the two men are upstairs talking to a landlord, and uh, you have to pay three months' rent in advance. That, that would be really hard to do. I mean, it's still like that. Three some months? Places, some of these places require you to put up the amount of money we had to pay to move. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. It, it, and, yeah, you never get it back. Um, well, Jim it goes upstairs to see his old army buddies. He's talking about, I just met your wives and your kids downstairs. And the landlord's going, kids? No, no kids here. And um, so... Rules are rules. You can't move here. So all of them move into the mansion. Of course. They need a place to live, and Trudy is totally on board. Uh, Trudy and Margie, one which of the like wives. Also, which type of housing discrimination laws, like, for you yeah. to be able to say, like, you can't live here if you have a kid? Yeah. Although I would love that for the place above me. <laughs> <laughs> well, our place in Germany was like that. Um, uh, but then I got pregnant with Aaron and they were like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> but when we first moved in, they said no kids. Yeah. Then they fell in love with Aaron. Um, <laughs> guys play. Oh, so the guys are all playing pool in the mansion. The girls are having girl talk. Uh, I let other people. Wor- oh, the Aloysius says I let other people work for it, and I enjoy it. Everybody needs a job, and so there's they're trying to figure out what kind of work can they go into after the war where they can, you know, have a family and keep them in a healthy, happy environment. So Aloysius says, figure out what people want most and give it to them, and they're going. They want to an affordable place to live. Which I well, think that, that that's always, that was really interesting to me about this movie because based on the history that you hear, it's always, oh, we won the war, World War II, the GIs came home, they had the GI Bill, they 
I'm, you know, obviously I'm talking about the, the dominant cast. They got to get college paid for them. They got jobs. They started moving out to these planned Levitt towns and, and whatnot. And it was, had kids and it was the fifties and baby boom. It was awesome. I didn't know that vets came back and there, there were, where's the jobs we were supposed to have the well-paying jobs. We've just fought for the country. We can't afford a place to live. That is not <laughs> the history that was taught. And the, and the people of color who came back, not only they didn't have a job or a place to live, they were also put back to pre-war time when they were to- supposed to be subservient. Yeah. Get, <clears throat> get, back, in your, get back in your place. Um, well, they know there's... Uh, somebody knows about a vacant army barracks. And... They can redesign the barracks. Oh, man, if you've ever seen an army barracks. And they could um, make apartments for two to 300 XGIs. Uh, the problem of capital is secondary because they have to get money to buy that land, which is the same land that Mr. O'Connor wants to buy for his Amazon airport. <laughs> okay. Hank and Alice, Hank was one of the Army buddies, and his wife are going to run down to D.C. and see if they can snap up this land before anybody else wants it. Because Alice had an in because during the war she worked, I think, something in the War Department, so she knows her way around D.C. Yes. Okay. Uh, It's obvious at this point that Trudy has a crush on Jim. She comes downstairs all glammed up in one of her own dresses. And um, she starts to play pool with him. Then she picks up a rifle. This oh, just know- out? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I know all about guns. My daddy used to take me quail hunting, um, which is odd for the daddy who has 14 kids and beats all 14 every night. And, well, at this point, Jim is showing her how to aim the gun. Didn't she just say she knows how to? But He's he, mansplaining. Yeah. But it's okay because it gets him close to her. And, of course, they kiss and the gun goes off. <laughs> Stopping there. <laughs> okay. Okay, that that has been uh, about 40 minutes. So if you're not hooked now, you probably won't be. (laughs) Uh, Aaron, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, I had a little bit more. Um, Stopping there, psych. I'm in love only 18, drive to the house. Okay, we're going to stop there anyway, because it's a good place to stop. People of color. Oh, we have one. Yes. His name was Joe. He was the O'Connor's driver. And then we had six Latin band members. Oh, the. Okay. But when they went to the restaurant, who knows if they're. I just. Uh, They might not be, but I just. it, It was. I mean, when was the last time we've seen anyone Latin in a film? Uh, in 1947. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then power of cast. 
go. Mm. So in cast, if you can talk your way out of a situation, that's class, not cast. So Aloysius T. McKeever acting like a millionaire, you know, when the police come talking their way out of it, you know, when they have, you know, and they say, oh, well, we'll just party with you. Oh, no harm, no foul. They were able to talk their way out of it. So that's class, mm-hmm. not cast. Because if Joe, the driver, and his family were found in that house, <laughs> I don't think it, the situation would have gone as smoothly. Quite so smoothly. Exactly. Okay. Uh, nerd alerts? Okay. So this movie came out in April 1947. In 1947, Elizabeth Short a.k.a. the Black Dahlia, was found murdered in Los Angeles. The movie The Best Years of Our Lives won the Academy Award for Best Picture. The Journey of Reconciliation of the Southern United States begins, a.k.a. that was the first Freedom Ride, and that challenged segregation laws on interstate buses, 1947. Wow. Um... April 15th, 1947, that is to this day known as Jackie Robinson Day because Jackie Robinson became the first African-American to play Major League Baseball since the 1880s. He was not the first black player to play in Major League Baseball. As a matter of fact, there was another man... Well, there was another man, I forgot his name, because he was black, but he was passing. So oh. I'm kind of like, I don't think you get to count it, you know. Um, but this guy, Moses Fleetwood Walker. Fleetwood. Yeah. He was the first African-American to play pro baseball in 1884. He was a catcher, and he caught barehanded. <gasps> and he would get his... Lest we not think that racism wasn't a thing in the 18, like, oh, haha, laughable, Aaron, I know. But he would give signals to the pitcher, and the pitcher would be like, I don't care, and would just throw whatever they wanted. So this dude got would get so hurt because he would be expecting one kind of pitch, and the pitcher's like, you can't tell me what to do. And, you know, so, and barehanded. It was during that time that an unofficial rule by... This guy named Cap Anson, who in 1939 was elected or whatever they say. He was put in the Hall of Fame. This guy, he was kind of the one that put in the unofficial rule that get black players out. And so by the 1890s, there were no more black players in Major League Baseball. This Moses Fleetwood Walker guy, this guy is, where's his biopic? He was a businessman, an inventor. He, was, he did all sorts of stuff. He owned a movie theater. Um, in 1891, outside of a saloon. Oh, he was also from Steubenville, Ohio, Ma. Steubenville. Yeah. So in 1881, outside of a saloon, a man threw a stone at, Fleet, at Moses Fleetwood Walker's head. And Moses was like, I don't know who you think you're throwing a stone at, but it's not me, my guy. 
And so Walker fatally stabbed one of the men. And he surrendered. He turned himself into police. And he said, look, I'm, it was self-defense. And he was charged with second-degree murder. And an all-white jury found him... Guilty. Not guilty! Not guilty! Ha-ha! Yep. And so then he, he went... I don't know if I was in... I don't know where that case... No, that was in Syracuse, New York that the case took place. Oh, and okay. so the the everyone in the crowd and stuff was like, yes, because they were... Because you can imagine, that was very tense about like which way this is going to go. And so Moses Fleetwood Walker then went back to Ohio and became like a postal carrier. Cool. Yeah. So there you go. He kind of went postal on the dude. Oh. Well, pre-postal. Yeah, it was kind of like he he went like <laughs> I'm reclaiming my time. He reclaimed his time. There you go, Tina. You have any nerd alerts? Well, I do have a nerd alert. I went did some research about Fifth Avenue. Um, because I know Fifth Avenue. You know, Fifth Avenue is all the like. Everybody's got to have like a store on Fifth Avenue. And um, so I started looking into the mansions of Fifth Avenue. And where are we here? Um, Okay, so first of all, Fifth Avenue was originally named Middle Road. Uh, And it was, there was this map, the commissioner made a plan in 1811 for Manhattan that laid out the city's future expansion in a rational manner. Um, so Middle Road was just part of a real estate plan by the city council. Um, and basically, they, it, it ended up like it was undeveloped portion of Manhattan. Um, and it, there were two, real, two roads built later, eventually becoming Park Avenue and Sixth Avenue. Um, so when the, the upscale residences started being built, I think it was like the 1860s, maybe 1850s. It started on Washington Square Park. Um, and then they built them up to Madison Square. Um, and then later all the way up to like Central Park and beyond. Um, and basically the rich people would come. And at first, like you didn't really need to build anything that big to prove you know, how much money you have, but then somebody across the street would build something bigger and then you were like, oh, okay, I have to build something bigger. And so it kind of kept going like that. Um, But then eventually most of the uh, mansions had been like torn down and made into different things, except for the area between like 54th street and 72nd street, I think. And I believe this was around there, this house. but I also like they were talking about that I found this article that was like 17 Gilded Age mansions um, and like what happened to them now. So there was this one mansion called the Morton F. Plant House and they had two mansions. Um, but in 1905, they built this mansion um, on Fifth Avenue. And then by 1916, Plant was like, ah, it's this area is becoming too commercial for me, so I'm going to move uptown. So Cartier, 
the jewelry store, um, acquired the mansion in 1917 in exchange for $100 in cash and a Cartier double-stranded necklace of 128 flawlessly matched natural pearls, valued at the time at $1 million, which is equivalent in 2022, $19,955,800. Well, plus the 100. Wow. And that's still the Cartier building now. Like, it's still a Cartier store now on Fifth Avenue. Um, and then there's another mansion like across the street. I think I read this could all be wrong because it's in my memory. But there's another mansion <laughs> across the street that I believe is now Versace, a Versace store. So, um, and then there's one on 70th Street that is now like a lot of them were demolished and replaced by skyscrapers, but um, that are homes to like retailers like H and M. This says eight. Retailers like H&M, Godiva, and Juicy Couture, which I thought were some interesting. <laughs> That's an interesting <laughs> one. ones to call out. But, I mean, we have a store on Fifth Avenue that I'm sure at one point where there was a mansion there, and now it's was knocked down to become a skyscraper. Do people live in the, you know how they, they have the stores? Then do people live above them? Do they have, like, lofts and then... It's super mm-hmm. nice. Okay. We had a, my store on 6th Avenue had somebody famous lived above us at one point. I can't remember who it was. Wow. That's um, cool. good. I like yeah, that. I thought it was interesting. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of, it's, I saw some pictures of, you know, the 1870s when all these, it was just like the mansions. Um, I'm to look that up when we finish. The William Vanderbilt Mansion at 665th Avenue has since been demolished, but there's like pictures of that in 1878. Um, and oh, and so there was this whole oh shit, what mansion was that? There was this whole thing, and I think it was the Astors. Yes. Okay. So at first, old money didn't need to like flaunt. But the arrival of upstarts A.T. Stewart across the street forced Caroline Astor into action. So she had first done an extensive interior renovation, um, but then the first Mrs. Astor's house was born. And it was here that a societal standing was attained and lost. And it was called the 400 Club or the 400 Society. And she had this ballroom that could fit 400 people into it. So it became this. Yeah, I know. But yeah, is oh. do you think that that's where in the show The Undoing that they live like around that area? I haven't watched that. Or, no, I don't know. I need to, but we haven't watched it yet. It's so like rich New York. Yeah, I've and, heard it's good. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna like it. I think the finale comes on tonight, so just be warned about the internet. Hmm. Yeah, am I? Oh, okay good thing yeah my other nerd alert was i looked into finishing school oh i was gonna do that i forgot because trudy was like i'm not going back to finishing school um and i was like what the hell is finishing school and i thought it was just a boarding school at first but it turns out finishing school is a school for young women that focused on teaching social graces 
and upper class cultural rights as preparation for entry in society. So it truly sounds like a terrible place. Mm-hmm. Like Trudy just sounds like she was like on the right path. <laughs> and upper the class name- cultural rights? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Talk about power of caste. Mm-hmm. Like how to how to um present yourself to be good arm mm-hmm. candy so that you can snag that man and right. you won't embarrass him and you'll be I bet I bet that Grace Kelly had to go to finishing school. Oh yeah. I'm sure she did. But the name suggests that it follows ordinary school and is intended to complete the education with classes primarily on I didn't look up what this meant because it said primarily on deportment and etiquette. Okay. So I don't know what deportment is referring to it. I think that that's um, how to be a woman smile woman like oh okay like how to have a pleasant fail Fail that (laughs) i could be i could be wrong tell me to smile one more time (laughs) um and the 1960s marked the decline of finishing school because of the shifting conceptions of women's role in society Mm -hmm. a there was um an attempt at reviving it in the 1990s under a different I'm thinking this is when Cotillion got to be big again. Oh, mm. I didn't know mm-hmm. Cotillion ever got to be big again. I think it did. Oh. But I don't know. I, I just read that they, had, they tried to redo it in the 90s. Deportment and- is defined as how a person acts and presents, well, in this case, herself in public. So an example of deportment is being kind to strangers. Oh, oh for goodness. So it is well, about teaching women like how to be um i like docile and right like how to right. be your also, like that's a power of caste being in like knowing your place this is your role right be in it if you've seen the crown have you seen where diana goes in and greets the everybody standing in a circle and she doesn't know that she's supposed to she knows she she needs to go to the queen first but she doesn't know the order that she's supposed to curtsy to everybody else, mm-hmm. that would be deportment. And it, the thing about the crown, though, that because it's like, oh, Diana, but she, Diana wasn't like Kate Middleton was a commoner. Diana mm-hmm. was, she wasn't a commoner. Like she was yeah. definitely on the fringe, but she wasn't, it, it was kind of one of those things where, Oh, she doesn't know anything. Yeah, right. Jeez, yeah. well, like she, she should be know virgin, better. So you know, you, you, you gotta keep going. She was only nineteen. Yeah. Okay. And my my last nerd alert. I don't know if this is a nerd alert, but I put it under there. Is I looked up a recipe for slumgullion. Ooh, did you? Um. So it oh, it's supposed to really be. Uh, a recipe like a stew stews made from leftovers is how what it really is um but now there are actual like some people just follow recipes for it so you're gonna start with a package of elbow elbow macaroni sounds good okay one pound lean ground beef one large onion two cups tomato sauce two cans of mushrooms blah Two mm. teaspoons minced garlic, salt and pepper, and then a can of stewed tomatoes. <laughs> pour that all together. Oh, interesting. 
I mean, it doesn't actually sound terrible. No. No. It's a stew. I'd throw some Old Bay yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd be putting some wine in there. <laughs> Butter and wine fix everything. It, that is true. Butter, man. That's all you need. Well, well done, Christine. Wow. I like that. Okay, reheatables. I have divorce. Divorce can really tear a family. Is that a good reheatable? <laughs> yeah, is that a good reheatable? That way. That's a bad reheatable. Oh we always God. do bad reheatable. Oh, let's start with the bad. That's right. Okay. Whew. But, but, I mean. I was like, is that how you're a... breaking the news to me on this podcast? <laughs> Oh, no, I have a better way of doing it. What? Um, you thought of it? <laughs> Sorry, I thought about it. I already... No, that was when we had to tell you Sparky was no longer with us. But divorce can also be a good and <laughs> readable. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, like if two people just really cannot be civil to each other. But, but it, I mean, it just tore... Um, well, it tears the family up, obviously. <laughs> um, boarding school. I mean, I hate that people send their kids away. I mean, they yeah. go away so fast, so soon anyway. And then you're just, what is the, wh like, what is the point of that? I don't understand why people do that. Was having, what's the point of having a kid? Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, and but, it's it's to teach the etiquette and the and the deportment and book for um, but but why don't what, you what it, yeah go to college because then you've had the time and now right. you know then you can go off and then that's like college is boarding school. Yeah, I mean, I just they go I can't imagine. So yeah, of going away, basically, you're going away to college when you're what eight. Yes. I, it just seems yeah. like that's not a great idea to be separated well, from your parents for so long. But I guess I guess that's why we find ourselves in the world that we find ourselves in because that's who shaped this so much yeah. of the world. Deception. Deception just, although it worked out for all of them, this deception <laughs> thing, but how do you keep up with all the lies? I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to explain what was going on at the beginning with, because of all the deception. deception. And my last one is also a power of caste situation. When the millionaire, Mike O'Connor has to make his own bed and he's just, what he's putting the sheets on all. He obviously has never made a bed in his life. Ever. I mean, not even from scratch, but making it after the sheets are on and pulling the covers up because you would have a clue which direction the sheets go. Just willfully ignorant. You see that you're he because people he he put the sheets on so that it didn't even cover the top and bottom of the bed. He basically like letterbox the thing. It, it, it kept it kept it folded in half. Just but that was I think it's a bit. That was a bit. It was a bit. There were a lot of bits. Other. A lot of bits. Other people's uh, negatives. Mine tearing tearing down historic buildings to build. Yes. Buildings. It's still there's um 
there is a mansion that Adam and I pass by on our way to the grocery store every day and every, well, when we go to the grocery store, uh, and every time we walk by it, we say there's our house and it's beautiful. It's got like these rounded, like the rounded, it's a nice mansion. <laughs> um, and then I got an alert like a week ago that it was being torn down. Look at this thing. It's, I don't know where the camera is. Oh, oh that's so cool. It. Um, oh, the turrets. This was in when it was oh. built. Oh my gosh. Um, and it was built in 1890 and there is the Charles Lindman house and the scout like stuff is already put around it. They're going to demolish it and turn it into a seven story building with 24 units and parking spaces for 12 vehicles. There is no need for more damn luxury apartment buildings. Right. But right. there's a, um, there was a protest going around to sign, to change that petition. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, because who's going to, I could see it if it was going to, oh, this is going to be affordable and we're going to make these housing, but not in Brooklyn. I don't see that. No. It's going to be like an eyesore. Oh, yeah. I hate that. Uh, I have $1 an hour to shovel snow. Oh, which turns out to be eleven dollars and fifty cents in twenty twenty, which is interesting because I don't Wikipedia said the New York City minimum wage is fifteen dollars. It is. So one dollar they got one I don't Which I mean you're not gonna get minimum wage if you're just shoveling snow because it's probably just people paying you under the table but yeah, but doesn't that say something about how low minimum wage is? Yeah. That $1 is equal to $11.50, but in 2020, and the minimum wage is still 15 That just seems like... It, when, That's when, just when we're, Yeah, when we're looking at inflation, it's funny what things have inflated and what yeah. hasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I would babysit for a dollar an hour. Now, granted... I was usually putting the kids to bed and watching TV for the rest of the evening, but you know, that was not a lot of money. Mm -mm. I got paid was... $2 a week to do the family's laundry <laughs> in 1991. Wow. Did you even ever get paid? I don't remember paying you. I would get paid and then they would take the money back to go to the movies and then, and then they were like, write it down. So I had this whole ledger of the cash that had been borrowed against me. And then when I went away to college, I just tore it up. I was like, oh, no, I, oh that's, that's awful. That's ridiculous. You had horrible parents. No, so I had fantastic parents. I was just like, yeah, here. And then because it was the only cash in the in Yeah, the exactly. Probably. I had all the cash and you guys knew I did. So I was, and, and you were always like, make sure you write it down. Make sure you write it down. But then when I was in college, I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to collect on this they paid no. for my education <laughs> at drexel University. yeah i was like i they paid for an ivy league adjacent education this is <laughs> this is a wash oh <laughs> wow oh let's let's move on to something else well and then my last negative was calling kids sunny which this <laughs> happened in that other movie we were watching last yeah. week too yeah hey sunny or sport my my negative reheatables 
man, housing crisis and vets just mm -hmm. can't find a place to live. And mm -hmm. we are on a precipice. I don't know if that's the correct word. I, hot toddy time, people. But, man. Her eyes are glassy as we speak. Talk about a housing crisis that we are in currently and have no idea of the extent. Because there have been all of these uh, eviction right. referendums and all of this kind of stuff. So, we don't, like, you know that's going to be... Yeah, just awful. People can't pay their rent because they can't work because of the pandemic. Because the idiot in office knew about it long before anybody else, and just chose not to do anything. And it's that's just so that's a just bad reheatable. Maybe looking at those army barracks, like what was his plan again? <laughs> what can we do? Um, when they bullied the landlord, the bullying. They just yeah. took they just took the guy, put him upside down. I mean, it was a bit, but still, you're like, this, these three guys. Yeah. Gun They'd safety. Yeah, they had seen some shit. Gun safety. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. it was not a thing. There's no. It's, it's not loaded. Yeah. yeah. No. There was what about a dozen rifles lined up perpendicular to the pool cues lined up right so you just oh i i thought it was a pool cue i thought that yeah were... why yeah. are they in with the pool cue right next to the dry bar what could go wrong <laughs> um and then this one i i just read a little thing i didn't go back but when the mother was vacuuming i didn't they made a thing that said that her vacuum cleaner was silent but then i wondered well, was it the vac a vacuum cleaner, or was it? Remember, we had that rolly thing when I was little. Oh yes, that it didn't make a noise, but you would vacuum, and so I wondered if that was what she was doing. Yeah, but, it was I, like a like a lint roller, mm -hmm. only it was it was yeah, it was oh, just yeah. manual. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, those are my negatives. Okay, positives. Wow, I wonder why I have that here. I think I put it in the wrong place. I felt um, conflicted about the Jewish tailor. Now, a lot yeah. of fine tailors were Jewish people, um, but he was so over-the-top Jewish. But he was really funny. He was. He was so... Was that a negative or a positive? Because it's showing his heritage in a good light. I mean, it's not making fun of him. I don't think so, because I don't think that he he wasn't the butt of the joke. Like, he wasn't being right. put down. He was putting down the other guy and it just right. explaining to him why he was... It was in such way. But if somebody right. were to find offense with that, I wouldn't... I, right. I would be like, okay, so, but um, peep toe pumps. I do love me some peep toe pumps. I miss them. Um, and when Trudy was sitting down, her father actually listened to her. I mm. like that the father was listening to her. Are there positive? Um, I wrote big bus tours. 
Mm-hmm. That's what I have as well. The sightseeing when the double decker yeah. and it's I'm like, they still have those. Yeah. Uh the the pool room reminded me of this bar we go to called Kingston Hall. And they have a pool table in a room that looks just like that. With oh, guns wow. lined up. Can you pick a, a rifle, <laughs> rifle or a pool cue? <laughs> I bet that the squatter's name is Mac. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then, and then his bath in the beginning. It looked like an incredible bath. It mm-hmm. did look and like And Sammy had his own little bath in the sink. sink? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sammy was a positive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot to write it down, but I'll go ahead and start it off. How he, how Mac McKeever would just pat his side and Sammy would jump up into his arms. Yeah. I was like, man, Teeny would love it to for to train Mac to do that. Yeah. He jumps up. Um <laughs> too much energy. That would take too much effort. Oh uh, <laughs> they just don't make things like they used to, especially apparently umbrellas. Because that is one hell of a sturdy umbrella. That was one sturdy that umbrella that you, could lift that manhole. manhole you could just cover. lift manholes up. That's like a that's one of the umbrellas that the penguin would use in his chicanery. Oh yeah, yes, you know? yes. Um, okay, we didn't really get into it, but just the whole character of Bullock, that guy, he's so over the top where he's almost grating, but he is. I did find him amusing. And I didn't think I was going to, but he did have this charm to him. And the thing that kind of got me on his side, because his, his, he's doing this whole tirade at the beginning about, you know, the vet and he's not going to leave and stuff. And it's a, it, it, he, he just had this kind of like, he's got a really punchable face. Where the first time <laughs> I saw him, I just wanted to punch him and I didn't know why. But when he, when he sat down and he took out an apple and he angrily ate the apple, like he did a defiant apple bite. It made me, I was surprised and I laughed out loud at it because <laughs> it's just, you're eating an apple out of anger. It, it's, chances are that's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt anyone else. Just <laughs> chomping in Most that hard. things you do out of anger do. Yeah. Um, the next reheatables were the bits. Like you mentioned it with the tailor but he has this whole thing about the moth convention yes that i thought was hilarious because he wanted to give him an all moth suit and this guy just goes (laughs) off into a he basically does a stand-up routine right there about moths and i i loved it an all wool suit not an all moth suit oh yeah at all (laughs) (laughs) it was going to become an all moth suit (laughs) Oh, I got the I got the the Uncle Nearest just in my chest in the holiday you got season. The hot toddy I got going. the hot toddy. The table bit when the the table was crooked. Oh yeah. And the Mater D and just how the Mater D was oh, acting yeah. and his reaction and you know crooked tables and that whole bit. That was the latest season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So that's <laughs> gotta be a fantastic reheatable. I mean that was part of his spite store. So. obviously that bit aged very well um mac mckeever how he's just this just this the guy that's just always pontificating and he's so philosophical and he's waxing poetically and i love how he's 
he's the one guy that throughout the whole film they never let he never gets let in on the secret that this guy that's been living with them is actually the owner of the house and he's always kind of like trying to to give this the second richest man in the world this pep talk and it's really remarkable how the guy just accepts it like he doesn't break once which yeah i don't know how realistic that would be but um so he's just pontificating and he's like you don't know what you're talking about and yet he does know what he's talking about and i love it when that kind of thing circles where he's like this guy has no idea what he's talking about has no idea he knows exactly what he's talking about (laughs) so i always love those kinds of things and my final best reheatable is bullock's reaction to meeting the real o'connor is (laughs) (laughs) you know they're talking the the two friends are just like what and you go to, to see what his reaction is going to be. And my man's just laid out on the floor. He just passed out. We don't even <laughs> see him passed out. We just cut to him just passed out on the ground because he just can't even believe it. And I was like, that was nice. Excellent. Okay, we are to quotables. <clears throat> um, only the rich get ulcers. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't, I don't. I think the poor get them too. They just don't know they're ulcers because they can't afford to go to the doctor and get them diagnosed. Um, okay, other quotables. I did a couple. Oh. Matt, um, why do I keep him on a leash? Why do I keep him on his leash? Oh, okay. Okay, somebody said to Mac about the dog, why don't you keep him on a leash? And Mac said, well, he's not afraid I'll run away. (laughs) Um, I'm going to save that for my last quotable. I think we have the same last quotable. Indigestion is caused by unhappiness. Oh, is that what you were talking about? If you don't do the things the world makes you do you're not hungry but if you smile and you're happy you enjoy your life something um women are funny you give them something to make them happy and they cry about it (laughs) oh this this one was good a house any house is only what its occupants make it to be without friends is a serious form of poverty and then and then this is adam's favorite quote oh yeah this is it this made me laugh so hard okay i'll see it's it's gotta be it then when she was trying to talk about how she comes from a house of 13 siblings and she said well i can't go back to my father he's drunk he's a drunkard he's lazy and he beats us and what's his name tim bill Jim. jim says all 14 of you he beats all 14 of you and she said every night he said oh you're a man your old man's not lazy (laughs) (laughs) oh adam laughed and laughed and laughed i had to rewind that i was laughing i laughed so hard too because just the way because you know he's this guy was really i thought that it was odd that he didn't get more comedic roles because his timing and delivery was pretty funny Cause she's yeah. just going on and on, and he's like, he "Beats all fourteen of you." She's like, "Every night." He's just like, "Your old man is not lazy." 
Oh. Oh. I don't know who said this to what woman, but you've taken a little weight on in all the wrong places. Yeah. Yeah. She said that to the mom, I think. Yes, mm. he said that to oh, the mom. Oh, yeah, he said that to his ex-wife. Okay. Yeah, and mm -hmm. she was not impressed. No. I liked then, her. Yeah, she was good. And then when they were, like, gathering up all those people to live at the mansion, when he saw his friend, Bill, Bill Ted, Jim, Jim saw his <laughs> friend, and he was like, what are you doing in New York? And she said, same same thing everyone else is, drive, looking around for a place I did some of my notes in the shower and water dropped on the <laughs> What? Everyone else is. Wait, wait, Ooh, rewind. You, you did the liquor notes in the shower? In the shower? Oh, wow. That is dedication. Yeah. So but then, but I used a highlighter. I wrote my notes with a highlighter. Until... Wow. <laughs> The water droplets just did to go away. I love your notes. There's so many things in them. <laughs> what do your notes look like? Oh. My, yeah, Aaron does, yeah, the little categorizing. And that's my quotables. I just have one more. Um, I think it was one of the security guards. They said, the joints as empty as a sewing basket in a nudist camp. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Oh my goodness. LVP. <coughs> I have two. Mm -hmm. One is in the mother's bedroom. You know, when she is looking at the um, the piano, the grand piano jewelry case that she lifts up and it plays music. 1918. She had, a, she had a round mirror. There was a fabric ruffle around that mirror. Do you know how dusty that thing would get? That yeah. just, what sense does that make? It makes no sense at all. But that they was have disgusting. the help. But my worst one was Gail Storm pretending to play the piano. Oh, I thought it was going to well, be the Christmas tree. Why? I thought it was a nice Christmas tree. I thought that it was going to have too much tinsel on it for your taste. No, see, that's how the that's how it used to. You don't remember the Frenzel's Christmas tree. Their their Christmas tree was all tinsel. They hardly had ornaments. Hmm. No, yeah, it's like I, I liked on. it a lot. Oh, okay. Others LVPs. Wait, so your your least was oh her pretending to play piano. Yeah, it was so bad, especially the second time. What about what is that style of singing that they would do? Where it seemed really low, like it didn't seem My, like her vibrato. voice. Yes. So. I don't know. That's just an interesting... It's interesting when in these old-timey movies, for me, when somebody sings and it doesn't sound anything like their speaking voice. I know that yeah. you have a singing voice, but just com like just completely different. I, I, I thought maybe hers was dubbed. Probably. 
Probably yeah. that's what it is. Because it didn't match her at all. Mm-hmm. Um, mine was the concept. Not necessarily the concept as much as what the hell kind of rich white dad would agree to going on with this shit for so long. Yeah. Yeah, especially well, he's the second richest man in the world. Yeah, if you not like I would have bought it for a day. Right. You've done this for so long. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that does go I guess to how much he loved his daughter. And I, I think that she really she must have really stuck it to him when she had her whole thing about how much the divorce messed up her life. Right. That, yeah. But yeah, I agree. Just going along with this charade and this yeah. guy is is just eating all your food and, and everything and you're just taking it and at no point are you like Look! And like lying to this man about who you are for that long. Yeah. Like, you really liked him. Yeah. Oh, and it there I forgot there was also the part where um it was like in the young Philadelphians where the dad gave wanted to give the suitor of the daughter a job that he knew would take the suitor away in this movie he Uh, says oh jim Mm -hmm. you can go to bolivia but you have to be a single man and it's a great job Mm -hmm. and that was sim i was like oh that was the same thing that they did in the young philadelphians Mm -hmm. look at how these rich people be moving Mm -hmm. well my lvp is faro or pharaoh he was the assistant to he was the guy that when he showed up at the barracks everybody thought was o'connor and so they pelted him with the vegetables and yeah yeah, he was he he, this guy was basically running the thing the show because another thing that we didn't mention while this the dude's doing this whole charade or charade um he's somebody has to be running the business right and it's pharaoh and you know pharaoh or faro is not getting enough money and just taking all this abuse and just being in the dark not even knowing what's going on maybe he was siphoning off some funds he probably was he's probably like don't don't keep don't make it hot for me okay mvp my mvp was the christmas tree Oh, interesting. Wow. I like the Christmas tree. And I like the shots of of them talking through the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. At first, my runner-up was the house. Mm-hmm. But my MVP was the final line. Mm. When the rich oh. man, mm-hmm. O'Connell, mm-hmm. O'Connor, he said, Mary, remind me to nail up the nail up the board into the fence, the board in the fence, which at first I was like, damn it. Like he really, okay. Yeah. And then he said, he's coming through the front door next winter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he would not but then, happen with today's millionaires. Yeah. But then the guy said that he, the, he was like, I think this is my last year. So then I wondered, well, is he even going to be back? Well, he is because they're going to invite him. Oh, I mm-hmm. thought they were going to keep the charade up. And uh, and then I wondered, he, how is he going to know to go through the front door? Yeah. 
Because, well, he's, he's on his way. They're going to invite him back. And now it's going to be a thing where he gets to live there when they go south for the winter. Mm-hmm. I'll bet he gets to live there all the time. Or yep. he gets to continue to, to flip between Bubbly and Springs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, probably. And he just takes care of it. Although I would put in a bit of, hey, two people max. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, we got definitely we got to limit this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> My honorable mention, MVP, is O'Connor for going along with this whole thing. Oh. It's just, you know... Th- <laughs> That was LVP for going along with the whole thing. <laughs> I, just, I was just like, man, what a what a great sport this guy is. Not what you would think. That's why I use the honorable mention because my MVP is Aloysius T. McKeever. This dude's got it yeah. all figured, figured out. out. Yep. He's the happiest one of the bunch. He's just coming and going. He basically said, um, other people, I'll let other people make money. They can be miserable and unhappy. I'll just be happy and enjoy what they're doing and can't enjoy it because they're so miserable. Like, look at this guy. Yeah. I was, when Trudy didn't want to tell Jim the truth of who she was, I wanted it to be because Jim would be mad at her for lying to him. But she was doing it so that she would know that he was really in love with her and not her money. But hadn't mm-hmm. he already proven that? I don't know. I think when you come from that kind of money, that it's very, I would think it would be very hard to be able, like that would always be a doubt in your mind. How could anybody prove it? I mean, that's that's why Trudy well, yeah. needs therapy. Yeah, and that's one reason they're so unhappy. Mm -hmm. Okay, recasting. Okay, I have two. I do one. Okay, I have zero. (laughs) (laughs) Well, enjoy ours. Okay, Erin, you want to go first? Sure. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and take your drink. No, it's gone. There's nothing. You have another, don't you? I I do. Okay. But I'll go. Unless you want to do your one and then me. I'll do my first one. Okay. Okay. So my first one, uh, my gym is John Boyega. Oh, Yeah, the dude from uh, Star Wars, right? Mm Mm-hmm. My Trudy, because you brought her up last week, and I'm going to put her in as many things as I can, Moses Ingram. Oh, she would be a good Trudy. So my father, okay, so I'm going to go with my McKeever, Danny Glover. Oh, he would be a great McKeever. And so my father is Denzel. As the O'Connell? Yeah. You see Denzel going along with, that would be kind of funny though, because he would get many comic reactions of him wanting to just. Exactly. Like. Denzel in a comedy. All right. Okay. All right. Mine, my casting is, I guess, 90s. Well, one of them isn't, but for the most part, it's 90s sitcom stars. So my 
McKeever is Reginald Vell Johnson, the dad from Family Matters. <laughs> you always loved him. <laughs> I, don't, like, I was like, man, he would yeah. be great. My Jim Bullock is Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Will Smith. Okay. My Gail Storm, Trudy, is Nia Long. I almost put Nia, too. My Anne Harding, who is the, the mother, I think her name was Mary, Felicia Rashad. Uh-huh. And then, as the father, O'Connor, I went with Courtney B. Vance. Oh, okay. Now, I did, I did find this part troubling, not troubling, but not okay, because... Um, Mac could wear the clothes of O'Connor and they were not at all the same size. Although he said they were the same size. I know. I know. So uh, that's why I was going Danny Glover, Denzel, you know. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I have an all female cast. Oh. Okay. All right. So my McKeever is Whoopi. Uh huh. My Jim, uh, um, I'm gonna change it right now. I'm gonna change it to Crystal. Crystal Brown is my Jim. Oh, I could see that. Okay, so Trudy to her Jim is Zendaya, and they fall in love. Mm-hmm. And then the mother, uh huh. Because it was the father, the rich, the second richest person in the world Mm -hmm. is Angela Bassett. (laughs) I'm I'm in. (laughs) So I would have to come up with a uh, a Mary that's a male, but I didn't do it. That's as far as I A Mary that's a male. Oh. Yeah, because they were actually married in in order to be able to have Zendaya. So it couldn't be completely female because, well, it could. And they could have adopted Zendaya. What if you went with Matthew Perry? (laughs) Well, that would be good. Yeah. That would work. Matthew Perry with Angela Bassett. That's right. Because she was the second richest person in the world. Okay. Tasty Nuggets. I did research into Bubbling Springs. I wondered if there was a Bubbling Springs. Mm -hmm. So it comes up Bubbling Springs, West Virginia, Mm -hmm. which is right on the border of Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, um, it's at the Kakapon River. So, um, but there is, uh, and it's called Bubbling Spring Camp. It's also called Kakapon Bubbling Spring Camp or Crystal Spring. But wait, there is a Bubbling Springs in Millboro, Virginia. It's a like just a recreational area. Like um, it's in the mountains. Hmm. Huh. In the Appalachian Mountains in Bath County, Virginia. There's also a Bubbling Springs in West Milford, New Jersey. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. So many bubbling so springs. Yeah. And it's really like hot springs, you know, um, 
Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, where you could go and take the, um, what's it called? The baths? The yeah, cure? Take, yeah, the cure. Take the cure. That's my tasty now. I didn't do any. There really weren't a lot. There were. I got a couple. So <clears throat> Frank Capra was planned to direct this film. Yes. But he decided to make another movie called It's a Wonderful Life instead. And I so think there's that. he chose correctly. But it had a real Frank Capra feel to it. It did. And also, I kind of wonder what it would have been like a Preston Sturges feel to it. Because of the classism and this mm-hmm. guy, I was like, hmm. Um, it was filmed in August, from August to mid-October in 1946. So it was done in ni- in October 1946, and no one is really sure why it was delayed until Easter 1947, when it's a Christmas film. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it, I guess it's not really a Christmas film. I mean, because it, it has a Christmas scene, but yeah. It, it's interesting. Um, yeah. It- <clears throat> and then it was part of a package deal, and it aired on TV, broadcast TV, in 1954. And then by the 90s, it had disappeared from American broadcast for 20 years, despite requests to Turner Classic Movies and American Movie Classics to play it. Everybody's like, well, oh. where's this movie? And then in 2009, Turner Classic Movies showed it. And since 2014, it's frequently been shown during the holidays. But I had never seen it. I'm like, oh, this movie just disappears for 20 years. And yet Holiday Inn is everyone's fine with it. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And Herbert Clyde Lewis and Frederick Stefani... They were nominated for an Academy Award for writing Best Original Story hmm. for the film. So we even had an Oscar nomination. I think that I'm surprised that no one has redone this. Because it, yeah. it did seem like it would be very easy to recast it and to and to put all sorts of different people. And it, it had a lot of bits in it, which you... You just have to suspend your, you know, suspend, you know, to to go along with it. But these people and the charade and they're doing this and they're being mischievous and it's around for the holidays. It felt like this could have been easily remade. And and got a good message at the end. Mm -hmm. Well, I was like, it was okay. It was. It had good bits. I I, enjoy, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to enjoy it. I thought that the comedy bits, I was really impressed. I was like, oh. Um, but I could see why Frank Capra chose It's a Wonderful Life over this. Mm-hmm. I was like, there, there's something here. There, I think that there, sometimes you, we watch these old movies and you're like, okay, that's good. You can't, how would you redo this? But this seems like, and when I, if you were to redo it, I would redo it today, but not, but it would be a period piece. I would still right. put it back. So it would, could have a feel like, um, what was that? Knives out, that mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. where you could just take stars and put them in this and let them have fun. 
And right. there you go. So Netflix, Hulu, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, uh, next week. Well, I had no idea. I had no idea what to pick. I went all over the place. And I was like, do we do a classic Christmas movie? But then I was like, it's only going to be the first week of December. We have time to do Christmas movies, right? Mm -hmm. Well. We don't. I I don't know. This is going to be our last chance for a Christmas movie? <laughs> well, because. Do I need to redo my thing? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Look at her. She's scared to death. Because I don't know if we're going to be able to record over the Christmas holiday. We can definitely try. But I don't. Why not? Because we're not going. Like we're gonna be at home. Yeah, well, but I'm not here. Yeah, I'm not gonna have my all my equipment. Oh, so I'll on. have to. I I think I know how to be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> now Adam's <laughs> laughing at Christy. All right. Well, the elf. <laughs> it was going to be elf. <laughs> And then it was going to be the other movie. You can do whatever. We can. Yeah, we can definitely. Tr I just don't like fingers crossed. I think I know how to go about it. But even then, it wouldn't be my pick. Well, do whatever you want. This is gone with the bushes. We don't have rules. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, now I don't know what to pick. It's fine. No, well, go with what you were going to do. Yeah. Well, no, Okay, well, it's not Christmas. Cause, it's okay. Because then Adam, it's Adam's fault. Because then he was like, why don't you do something that's set in the cold, but not Christmassy? There oh. you go. So then I almost picked Dr. Shivago. <laughs> <laughs> Did you look at the runtime? Well, because I, Googled, I was like, best movies about cold weather or something. And then it was like, that type popped up. And I was like, Good God, not only is this three hours long, but the plot seems so boring. I don't so even know. So I know we're gonna do it one day, but I'm not I didn't pick it. There you go. So then I picked another movie and called The Apartment, but I didn't stick with it. And I just made a decision about three minutes ago. And I figured it's from 1996, but it's that's like far enough back now. Oh, these sure, days. we can do whatever. Do you have any guesses? Just 1996? Cold weather? It's cold weather. Cool runnings. I, uh, that was in the. That was, <laughs> that was like 94, oh, I think. Yeah, that's. Uh, okay, it's. But it's set in 1987. Oh, it's set in 1980. But it's 1996. There have been TV shows based off of this. And it's cold weather. Is it an Olympics thing? No. And There's a lot of famous people. A lot of famous people. And TV shows based on this. Mm -hmm. And it happened in 1987, but it took place in 1996. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 period piece 
I would need I need another clue. Minnesota. Fargo. Fargo. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love me some Fargo. That was the last of the decision. I like that. Yeah, we're going to have fun with Fargo. Well, I guess we are committed to... I will figure it out then. <laughs> I figured we would get at least one Christmas movie out of this. Yeah. I'm just kidding. It's fine. You don't need to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Sure. <laughs> but yes, Elf was in my runnings. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture you go pasting back and forth, going, "What am I gonna? What am I gonna? What? Do, what? What? What?" That's what my mind's been doing for the past two hours. <laughs> I. What, I, I Oh, oh! I love there it. I love another it. movie called Misery from 1990. Yeah. Oh my God, you've seen it? No, yeah. I haven't seen it. I remember when it came out, okay. but that's on that's on one of my lists to do because I definitely want to do Misery. Stephen King. Yeah, with yeah, Kathy, Bates. Kathy Bates. Yeah, yeah, and James Caan. Mm-hmm. That's on my list. Yep. Nice. Okay, Fargo will be fun. Okay. Okay, listeners. I hope you. I'm excited. I like what? I'm excited. I like Fargo. I like Francis McDormand. So much in it. Oh. Okay. Um. We hope you enjoyed it. Happened on Fifth Avenue. Lots of info about Fifth Avenue, Bubbling Springs, and um. We'll see you next week for Fargo. I think it should be like we should push it and make Fargo a Christmas classic. Yeah, you know we can do it. Yeah, Good. we can do it. Mm-hmm. And and you thirteen listeners out there, you can do it too. You can <laughs> listen while you're putting up your Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you know? Don't you know? Okay. Bye bye.